Hello and welcome to the Drabblecast, episode 26. The Drabblecast is a weekly flash fiction podcast that brings strange stories by strange authors to strange listeners such as yourself. I'm your host, Norm Sherman. Well, we haven't done a Drabble Poetry Corner in a while, and I think it's about that time again. It's the Drabble Poetry Corner, baby. We don't have this info on the website, but I've mentioned in the past episodes that we do accept poem submissions along the same lines as our stories. Weird, funny, interesting, etc. You can email the poem as text to drabblecast at yahoo.com, or you can record yourself reading it and email it to us as an mp3. Today's poem is Mr. 505 of the Spheres by playwright, poet, and writer William D. Tucker. I am he who has tread the ethereal seas. I am he who has seen the space worms of Tilnoweth Shen and made war with the three masters of the crimson rifts. I am he who has seen the hideous geometries of the master Craig Lemonfier and retained enough sanity to tell the cosmos. I am he who has burst through the mask, seen the gruesome puppeteers beyond, broken the bondage of their eldritch strings and strung them up by their own implements. I have seen the unseeable, heard the silence, spoken the unspeakable, eaten the inedible, smelled the unscented, done the undoable, killed the unkillable, and destroyed the indestructible. I have flown the land and walked the skies, swam in fire, burned in water, dreamed awake, beaten the unbeatable, gored the matador with my numberless platinum horns, and strangled a thousand hangmen with my diamond nooses. I have thought the unthinkable, experienced the intangible, been here, there, nowhere, everywhere, anywhere, somewhere, all in the same dreaming instant. I am the all-in-one. I am Mr. 505 of the Spheres. Well, there you go. I thought that would pair nicely with today's surreal, bizarre story, Once on a Hill in This City, by Lita Broadhurst. Lita's from Oakland, California, and her work has appeared in many different publications, This Way Up, Mythic Delirium, Starline, to name a few. She's also the assistant editor of the literary gothic website Skin and Bones. So, without further ado, Once on a Hill in This City by Lita Broadhurst. When fog enshrouds this death-dreaming city, drippings from towers and tenements and trees patter around me. But today, as I strain up the hill, the unexpected heat claws my body, drawing sweat like blood. It's my own fault, friends say, since I willfully choose not to drive a car, to ignore that beast, chunks together of metal and paint, rolling complacently on fat wheels with an odor that would put an elephant, a goat, to shame. That's why I'm making my way home like an animal, say a mouse or a rabbit. And like them, my insides rasp, fearful of danger that leaps from where your gaze has searched and found nothing. 
So I watch three who climb together further up the hill. No, another glance reveals that an old lady walks in front, and she must think herself pretty grand, wrapped in silk, fawn-colored like a deer. Her purse swings down behind her, a tail sending signals. Two young men slink behind her, wearing their uniforms of blue jeans and shirts like rumpled tablecloths across their chests. I imagine the hours spent before a mirror, polishing hair and tucking shirts at the correct angle. I catch the glint of metal from their back pockets and the answering glint of their teeth as they exchange smiles. Thank God. An old man with glasses comes out from one of the houses embroidered about the hill. I'm too far away, but he'll warn the woman. He will shout and wave his arms. He will do nothing but stand and water his flowers. Like many people preserved forgotten in this city, the old man has only flowers to love. The young men ignore him, Probably their eyes, shiny as candy, but harder, bore into the woman's back like a weapon. Their legs move to the slingle and slangle of the jewelry round her neck. I imagine blue veins, like rivers on a map, flowing down the woman's legs. She cannot be disposed of, like unwanted clothes, by these terrible young men. I try to climb faster. Words buzz in my head like insects, some stinging enough for this stupid old man. But when, panting like any animal, I draw near his yard, he greets me, saying, This heat brings out the snails. My place is such a mess. Frankly, I find the snail trails fascinating as they twist like bracelets across the grass, but I must not waste time. Shouldn't we be doing something about those two? Do you have a phone? He looks at the young men, and then stares hard at the flowers as if they've failed him in some way. The most dangerous animals wear expensive cloth and furs that are alien. They exude a scent more potent than flowers, even the males. They grasp money with fingers that reach down unclean crevices. He pokes at a bug, doing something with its pinchers to a petal. She shouldn't have left the safety of her home. He turns away. But I'm cheered when the old lady stops and turns to face the young men. Like exclamation points, they stand astonished for an instant, then curl their fingers around the metal in their back pockets. The old lady's purse snaps open like the mouth of a reptile. Her arm cradles a gun, then steady as a thermometer needle, aims. Now the old man joins me as I run, but the two young men lie curled in the solitude of death. Once so full of city, their eyes are drained of everything. Horrified, I see only handcuffs trail from their pockets in intestinal loops. The old lady stares at the odd runes their shoes traced in the dust as they fell. Like bullets, she spits, 
Damn cops. Good riddance. She starts walking again, gun dangling from her hand like obscene jewelry. The old man looks longingly at his home. No point in getting involved. You, you never can tell about people. Flowers now. You plant red peonies, you get red peonies. <laughs> no crazy surprises. No reason to tell him that the last time I planted flowers, the leaves drooped and the blossoms shriveled. I read the seed packet over and over, the tiny prints stabbing my eyes, but found no enlightenment. Around us, sirens scream, eagles circling their prey. that was our story. I hope you liked it. We've seen a huge jump in downloads and site hits this week at the Drabblecast, thanks to Steve Ely over at Escape Pod, who played our promo at the end of Escape Pod 119, Aliens Want Our Women. We appreciate the support, Steve. For you folks listening, if you haven't checked out the weekly sci-fi podcast magazine, Escape Pod, you need to go do that right now. I can't say enough good things about that podcast. They're at escapepod.org. Feedback from a few weeks ago, Drabblecast 24, Momentum by Kevin J. Anderson. Most people seem to really dig this story, although there were a few particularly disturbed by it. Mr. Tweedy, for one, commented, That was sick and nasty. I wish I could wash it out of my head. And then we had Call for Help say, It's the best Drabblecast so far. Rich B. thought that putting it in the place of the delayed black-and-white animals conclusion was maybe why the shock value was so high on this one. He said, You come expecting a story about pandas with martial arts abilities, and you get a post-apocalyptic horror piece about carnies and mutants. That's a pretty strong contrast, I think. Oh, well, I would definitely say it is a strong contrast, Rich, but I'd also like to point out that it isn't really about strength. What, what? <laughs> Just a little reference to the, uh, the story, momentum. You, ha- you had to be there. Uh, anyway, that's all for this week. The Drabblecast uses a Creative Commons attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license, which means you can share this podcast with whoever you want. You just can't change it or make money from it. Our staff is co-editors Luke Coddington, Kendall Marchman, and myself, Norm Sherman, reminding you that heat brings out the snails. Oh, oh.